Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Duff Differently. I'm Rabbi Utsteyer, and today we will be studying Duff 19, Yotet, in the first chapter of Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We need to familiarize ourselves with the Mishnah found on the bottom of 18 Aleph. There are three six moons to announce for which messengers go forth, meaning go from Jerusalem to the diaspora to inform the communities there of the sighting of the new moon. The new moon of Nisan on account of Passover, on the new moon of Av on account of the fast, on Elul on account of Rosh Hashanah, on Tishrei of the adjustment of the festivals, on Kislev on account of Hanukkah, and on Adar on account of Purim. When the temple stood, they also used to send messengers on Iyar on account of Pesach Katan. So far the Mishnah. As you might know, the Jewish calendar is largely, but not exclusively, a lunar calendar meaning the holidays can fluctuate to some extent over the year. Originally, the calendar wasn't set either, so the Sanhedrin would announce the beginning of a new moon, the beginning of a new month, after they received the testimony of two witnesses that had seen the new moon. But in an age before Twitter, the news needed to be transmitted manually to remote villages in Israel, as well as abroad to the communities of Babylonia. The original custom was to light fires on hilltops, but at one point the Samaritans started to light fires as well in order to confuse the Jews. The solution was to actually send messengers who would deliver the news. Now this is the background to our Mishnah when it talks about sending out Shlichim. By the late Amoraic period, the calendar had been set and the need for messengers did no longer apply, but our Mishnah still reflects the practice of an earlier time. We see that already at that time, messengers were only sent on especially important months in which the major holidays fell. The other months could be determined by simply counting the days in between the above listed months. The Gemara mentions something called Megillat Ta'anit, the scroll of fast days. Megillat Ta'anit lists 35 days on which Israel experienced joyful events or performed glorious deeds. These 35 days were celebratory days, and any form of public mourning was forbidden on 14 of them, and fasting was forbidden on all of them. After the destruction of the temple, is Megillat Ta'anit still valid, or has it been annulled? This became a heated discussion between some of the most famous sages in the Talmud, Rav and Rav Hanina, Rabbi Yohanan and Resh Lakish, Rabbi Eliezer, and many, many more. We now turn to our Gemara on page 19, which starts off with a discussion about the third of Tishrei. The third of Tishrei follows immediately after Rosh Hashanah, and we now know it as Tzom Gedalia, one of the minor fast days, and why the third day of Tishrei was included in Megillah Tanit. Rav replies that the reason for including the third of Tishrei was on account of the previous day, meaning the second day of Tishrei, which is the second day of Rosh Hashanah. But an objection was raised, saying that this is obvious, because the second day of Tishrei 
is the day following Rosh Chodesh, and hence Asur Behesped or Betanid anyway. Now we are informed that Rosh Chodesh de Oraita, with the Oraita law by Chizuk, meaning Rosh Chodesh is a Torahidic law, a written law, and anything that is de Oraita does not need reinforcement. Detanya. Hayamim ha'ele ha'ktuvin v'megilat ta'anit asurin bein lifnehem bein acharehem. Shabbatot v'yamim tovim hem asurin lifnehem v'lachorehem mutarim. Meaning, it had been taught, these days mentioned in megilat ta'anit are forbidden, meaning it is forbidden to fast on them, as well as the day before them and the day after them. But Shabbat and Yom Tov, the themselves are forbidden, but the days before and after them are not. So in the case of Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh as a Torahidic law, we know that in that case, because it is, uh, as it is described, we know that the day after is already forbidden. So we don't need to have an extra chizuk, we don't need to have an extra reinforcement. So the Gemara continues and asks, what is the difference between the two different types of days and answers them? Halelu divrei Torah, ve'ein divrei Torah tzrichin chizuk, halelu divrei sofrim, ve'divrei sofrim tzrichin chizuk. One set of days are derived from the Torah and do not need reinforcement, and the other set was established by the sages, and the words of the sages require reinforcement in order to prevent that by mistake one should fast on these days established by the scribes, also the preceding day and the following day have the prohibition against fasting. Now on 19b we read in a piska, and a piska is a short quote from the Mishnah, Ve'al Kislev mipnei Hanukkah, ve'al Adar mipnei Hapurim. On Kislev, messengers are sent out on account of Hanukkah, and on Adar on account of, Ad of Purim. We encountered previously this, the distinction between Divrei Kabbalah and Divrei Torah, as well as Divrei Sufrim and Divrei Torah. Remember that there is a certain hierarchy of laws and enactments. The most lenient and least authoritative are Minhagim, customs. No bracha is required for their performance, no restrictions apply, and a violation does not lead to any form of divine punishment or rabbinic punishment. On the other end of the spectrum are the Oraita laws, directly mentioned in the Torah. These laws generally cannot be overridden and come with a set of requirements of their proper execution as well as defined punishments in case of breaking them. Somewhere in between are the Rabbanan enactments. They do require brachot and, and uh, are in many ways similar to mitzvot deoraita, but unlike biblical law, in case of doubt, they may be treated leniently. Now, in our daf on 19 Aleph, we just learned that it is unnecessary to strengthen divrei Kabbalah prohibitions of fasting on the third day of Tishrei by also forbidding fasting on the second and fourth days of Tishrei, just as there is no need to strengthen the Deoraita prohibition of fasting on Rosh Chodesh. The reason for this, according to the Gemara, is because divrei Kabbalah ke divrei Torah damu. Divrei Kabbalah are treated like biblical law and therefore do not need chizuk. It becomes clear that divrei Kabbalah are not the same as the Rabbanan, but they are also not quite the same as the Oraita. 
there is no explanation to what extent the right Kabbalah are Damo like the right Torah. So where do the right Kabbalah belong on our spectrum of legal categories? Do they belong in the category of the right Torah and are slightly more lenient? Or are they a more stringent form of the Rabbanan? Or are they maybe even a category in itself with elements of both? What exactly are the right Kabbalah? We know that the Oraita are laws that are mentioned or can be directly derived from the Torah, from the five books of Moses. The majority of Rishonim who, de who debated that question agree that the Divrei Kabbalah are those laws and enactments that are directly connected to the Nach part of the Torah, the prophets and the writings. So we now understand that Purim counts as Divrei Kabbalah and that Hanukkah counts as Divrei Sofrim. Hanukkah is obviously not the orator and it doesn't fulfill the requirement for being the Rei Kabbalah either. Hanukkah is a holiday enacted by the sages and hence it is only the Rabbanan. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp iTunes, and Spotify.